Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Last week, we looked at the birth and the announcement of who? John the Baptist, you're right. And we talked about his parents who are Zacharias and Elizabeth. And this morning, we're going to look at another birth, another announcement, birth announcement. And this one is the birth of my favorite person. Guess who that is? He sure is. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Now in the sixth month, the angel, what's his name, saints? Amen. Was sent by God to a city of Galilee. What's the name of the city? Amen. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name is who? Amen. Of the house of? And the virgin's name was? See, you're all going to be preachers by the end of the service today. Bible scholars. And having come in, in verse 28, the angel said to her, Mary, rejoice highly favored one, underline that, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Well, then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name, somebody help me, Jesus. And Jesus is going to be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob for a short period of time. Is that what it says? For how long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. And then then Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be since I have never been intimate with a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For in verse 37, would you all read it with me? For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me. You know, saints, this occurred to me 
first service occurred to me, second service. Look at this statement. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. Do you know what an oxymoron is? No, it is not something that you call your husband. An oxymoron, if you're taking notes, is a combination of contradictory words. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have here today is a classic story of an oxymoron. We have the story of a pregnant virgin. (laughs) Did you hear me? A pregnant virgin and a baby who is going to be born on Christmas morn, and the whole purpose of his coming is to save men from their sins. Now listen to me close here. Everything about this story, I don't know if you've ever gotten this, but everything about this story doesn't make human sense. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, notice in verse 26 again in your Bibles, it tells us in the sixth month, Gabriel goes to Galilee. Notice he doesn't go to Judea. He goes to Galilee. Six months later, again, Gabriel comes on a mission, this time to the city of Nazareth. Now, if you know your Bibles, and I'm confident you do, you know that Judea was the center of the land chosen by God to be his base of operation. And then Jerusalem, are you listening? was the center of that region, and Jerusalem is called the city of the great king. And then at the center of Jerusalem, you have the temple, and it was called the very dwelling place of God. Now, at this time, Jerusalem was supposed to be the center of worship, but it was also corrupt at this point in history, and it lost its sight of the Lord, and it lost its calling, and it lost its purpose, and so God passed over them, and they missed a divine opportunity, and so Gabe goes to Galilee to the city of Nazareth. Now again, if you know your Bibles, you know that Nazareth was the armpit of Galilee. Don't you remember when Philip told his friend Nathaniel that he had found the Messiah. Nathaniel said, what did he say? Anybody know? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Why? Because at this point, he said that because at this point, Nazareth was filled with prostitution. It was filled with corruption, immorality. It was an ungodly bad city. So when Nathaniel finds out that the Messiah was found there, he's shocked. And he is chagrined and he says, no way can any good thing come out of Nazareth. So Gabriel goes to Galilee to a virgin, the Bible tells us, betrothed to a man and his name is Joseph. Now listen, give me your attention. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you already know this. In the Jewish wedding, there were three stages. If you're taking notes, you can begin to write down right here. First stage in the Jewish wedding is the engagement stage. The engagement stage. Now, marriages in those days, you know this, don't you? Marriages in those days were arranged, and generally, they were arranged by the age of two or three. I mean, think about this. 
Imagine knowing you're growing up with the guy on the playground. You look across the playground and there is Lester, your husband, picking his nose. He's three years old. And you go back to your dad and you say, Dad, are you sure about this? Dad, have you fasted and prayed about this? Dad, do you know that's the man for me? Marriages were arranged in that day, which, by the way, I think we need to go back to that. Say amen, parents. I honestly think, listen, I know, listen to me, listen to me. I digress. I know who is good for my children, sometimes better than my children know. There's only one person who agrees with that. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, brother. And sometimes these girls be bringing these men home. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. What do you do for a living? Well, uh, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. Let me tell you something. If somebody tells you, some young man tells you he's an entrepreneur, that's code for I don't have a job. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm an entrepreneur. No, that means you out of work. I'm an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah, really? I know. I think we need to go back to that because sometimes you know better. You look at some of these guys, you know they're not going to be a fit for your children. And in those days in the Jewish culture, I really think they were on to something. Because they know. They look at a guy and they look at a girl and they say, that is a good match. The engagement stage is the first stage of the Jewish wedding. And then secondly, listen, there's the betrothal or the espousal stage. Are you writing that down? Then this stage began one year before the wedding date. In the espousal stage, you were legally married but the marriage wasn't consummated and the only way out of the marriage was divorce. And then the final stage, listen, the final stage is the wedding day. And it's in this stage that you're actually waiting for the wedding. So Mary is pregnant in our story. Mary is pregnant in this period of the espousal stage. And the angel said, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you. Did you note this in verse 28? If you haven't underlined it, do it. Blessed are you, what? Among women. Now this word highly favored, very interesting because it literally means greatly graced or overflowing with grace. This word highly favored is used only one other time in the New Testament. We'll find it in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. You can look that up in your own time. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, it tells us that we are accepted or same Greek word, highly favored, greatly graced in the beloved. Do you know that you are highly favored to God? Do you know that? Do you know that you are greatly graced to God, before God, in the presence of God? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that. So the angel says, Mary, you are highly favored. Blessed are you among women. Now, it is very important that you listen to me very carefully right here. Many of you know that I was 
brought up, raised in Catholic school. And I went to Catholic school from one through 10. And I don't know if I told you before, but I was, I was an altar boy. Any, anybody was an altar boy in, in, in Catholic school? Okay, that's, that's like three, four. Todd, you an altar boy. Oh, they let anybody in, don't they? <laughs> We're friends, I can say that. And, uh, and I was an altar boy. And I, I, just remember, I just remember one day the priest telling me that um, he felt that um, I, I was not cut out to be an altar boy. Let's just say that. And uh, so I was no longer an altar boy. But, but when I was going to Catholic school, you know, I believe that Mary, listen to me closely, I believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, has suffered at the hands of Protestants, and has suffered at the hands of Catholics. Again, I grew up Catholic, and having been Catholic, I know, listen, that Catholic teaching elevates Mary and makes her special above women. You know the Bible says, blessed are you, somebody help me, among women. The Catholic Church elevates Mary to be above women. As a matter of fact, they teach that Mary was a perpetual virgin. Well, we know that's not true because Mark chapter 13, verse 55, write it down, look it up in your own time, tells us that Jesus had brothers and sisters. So Mary was not a perpetual virgin. The Catholic Church teaches that she was a perpetual virgin and that she was, watch this, a co-redemptress in our salvation. In other words, listen, that she was a co-mediator or that she, are you ready for this? That she helped Jesus in purchasing our salvation. In other words, Mary was on one side of the cross and Jesus was on the other. The Catholic Church also teaches that Mary ascended into heaven, that she died and ascended into heaven, and they call that the Assumption of Mary. Listen, Mary herself, I believe that is a disservice to Mary, and honestly, I really believe that if we could ask Mary today, she would tell you that is inappropriate, that is wrong. As a matter of fact, we know from Scripture, are you listening, that Mary herself understood that she needed a Savior. How do you know that? Acts chapter 1 tells us in the upper room, guess who was there praying with the disciples, waiting on the power of the Holy Spirit to fall? You guessed it, Mary. Mary knew that she needed a Savior just like everyone else. So I believe the Catholics have done a disservice and Mary suffers at the hands of the Catholic, the Catholics, but I also believe on the other side, listen, that Protestants are protesting and going to the extreme and making Mary less than what God calls her. And I've heard Protestants say that Mary is just like any other woman. Listen, Mary is not like any other woman. That's not true. She is the mother of God. Get it straight. Don't get it twisted. Mary is the mother of God. I don't know another woman who has, who has been the mother of God. Now, I know you think your baby's cute. I mean, I've gone to hospital and then people get their little babies. And, oh, the baby is so cute. Oh, it's just angelic. Look, Pastor Rodney, isn't it angelic? And I go... 
It's interesting. Yes, it, you know, everybody thinks their baby is like God, I mean, angelic. Mary is different than any other woman. She is the mother of God. She wasn't like any other woman. You know, it reminds me of this story. I've read it to you before. Let me read it to you again. Love this story. This is about this, uh, this little boy, this cute little five-year-old Mexican-American boy. And he's living in East L.A. in the barrio. And he really wanted a skateboard, but his mom and his dad couldn't afford it. Well, they live in this small little apartment. And in the apartment, they have a small little altar set up. And it has candles and pictures of religious settings and a statue of Mary. And so the little boy grabbed his rosary beads and he started praying. And he said, oh, God, please, please, God, it's my birthday. Would you please bring me a skateboard? Everybody has one. Could I have one, too? Well, his birthday came and went and no skateboard. Well, Christmas, he he gets before the altar once again, and he said his Hail Marys, and he said, God, I really, really want a skateboard. Could I have one for Christmas? Well, his parents couldn't afford it, and no skateboard. And about a month later, he once again went before the family altar, lit the candles, and he suddenly reached up, and he grabbed the statue of Mary, and he ran out of sight. And he came back to the altar, and he said, Now, God, if you ever want to see your mother again... I think it's Mary, listen, she is the mother of our Savior. And that is important. I mean, think about this. There are things that Mary knows that only Mary knows about Jesus. And when you get to heaven, you can ask her, Mary, tell me, was Jesus like any other baby? I mean, when Jesus was in your womb, did he kick? These are things the Bible doesn't tell us. Did he kick in your stomach? You know, when, when he was in your wounded and, and when he came out and as a little toddler, as a little baby, did you lose sleep at night? Did you have morning sickness? Did you have a difficult labor? Mary, did you have a long labor with Jesus? These are the things the Bible doesn't tell us, whether she had a long labor. You know, I think of long labor and I think of my wife. She had a long labor with Rodney Jr. That boy was big from birth. I was in the, in the room, you know, in the room, and uh, this is probably like TMI. And, and I'm, I'm looking over, and all I see is head. I, I'm like, that boy got the biggest head I ever seen. And then he, Roddy is 10 pounds. He is 10 pounds in birth, 23 and a quarter inches long. So I look over and I see this really big head. And by the way, Elvira had 10 hours of labor. She had like an hour a pound. I said, honey, you didn't have a baby. You had a turkey. That boy was huge and still is. I mean, he fills up the cage. Have you noticed? He's in the cage playing like this. So I look over and I'm like, oh man, a dead head is like, he got like a huge head. And then he's 23 and a quarter inch long. So he's really tall. He's really long. And he keeps coming and coming and coming and coming out. I'm like, good Lord. And then, you know, you give you the baby afterward and uh, boy, Elvira, that woman, she had that boy with no anesthetic, nothing. I'm like, she gets the superwoman award. And then, and then I said, you know, they bring you the baby and when they bring you, you're like, oh, he's so cute. He's like, and the father and mother are crying. It's such a Kodak moment. And, you know, 
And, and I, they brought Rodney Jr. to me and Alvar, and I, I looked at Alvar, I said, honey, I said, you look like you've just been in a fight. I mean, her eyes were black. She, I mean, she just really had a really, really tough labor. He was a big, big boy. Mary, how long was the labor? I mean, these things we don't know from Scripture. But Mary is not like any other woman. She is blessed among women, not above women. Notice in verse 29, we better move on. When Mary saw him, notice she was troubled at his saying. Are you looking at verse 29? Are you looking at verse 29? She was troubled at his saying. And remember, Zechariah was troubled at his appearance. Remember last week? Mary was troubled by the words that are coming out of his mouth. And she began to consider what he was saying. And Luke later tells us that she pondered all of these things in her heart. You know, that tells me that Mary, 16, get this, 15, 16 years old, she was a girl of great depth. And the angel said, Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And Gabriel says, you will conceive, bring forth a son, and you will name him, what saints? Jesus. And Gabriel says three things about Jesus. Number one, if you're taking notes, he shall be great. I mean, think about that. Has anyone, he is great. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He is great. Can somebody say a better amen? amen? Think about this. Has anyone influenced history more than Jesus? No, he is great. And then the second thing Gabriel says is he will be called the son of the highest. Jesus will be the son of Mary, but not only her son, he will also be known as the son of God. And then thirdly, that he will occupy, that he will take possession of, the throne of his father, David. He will be the Messiah prophesied to David who has the rightful authority to rule over Israel. And of his kingdom, the Bible says, there will be no end. Well, did you notice? Mary asked a biological question. How will this happen? I've never been intimate with a man. Unlike Zachariah, remember last week, who asked, how do I know you're telling the truth? Mary says, how do I know This will happen. How will this happen? I've never been intimate with a man. You see, Mary believes it's going to happen. She believes in the miracle of the virgin birth. She believes that the Son of God will become the Son of Man. The unseen becomes the seen. God sees from heavenly, God comes from heavenly hiddenness to earthly visibility. The incomprehensible someone becomes the approachable, touchable, understandable Jesus. And the distant becomes near. And the creator becomes the savior, which is the greatest fact of all. And it's unfortunate, saints, listen to me quick. Listen to me. It is unfortunate that there are many so-called ministers who do not believe today in the virgin birth. You know, there are so many so-called ministers who don't believe in the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. We believe here at Calvary Chapel in the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. Somebody clap your hands and say amen, would you? God's word has no errors. God's word is never wrong. And if you're reading something that seems contradictory in God's word, that only means that you're reading it wrong. Uh, can you say better amen than that? Mm. There's a lot of preachers don't believe that. 
Unfortunately, there's a lot of preachers who don't believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. They don't believe in the physical return to the earth. And yet these same preachers will tell you that they believe in Jesus. Listen, if you don't believe, listen, I say this boldly. If you don't believe in the virgin birth, you don't believe in the same Jesus that I believe in. The virgin birth is important. The virgin birth, listen, of Jesus Christ is particular to Christianity and Christianity alone. You know, there are many myths and legends out there about a God who has sexual relations with a woman and produces offspring. But the idea of a virgin birth is unique to Christianity. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.